All right, well, welcome again to H2O. It's great to have you here with us. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors. I have the privilege of sharing with you today and kicking off our Christmas series. And I don't know about you, but I just love this time of year. You know, I know there's some Grinches out there that, that maybe don't love all the, you know, the music and the, the decorations and stuff. But I think most of us down deep, this is a pretty exciting time of year. There's, there's so much fun things that, that happen during this season and during this time. And, and this year I was thinking, and, and it kind of reminded me, even as we're headed into this unexpected series, that's the lens that we're going to be taking as we were uh, reading the Christmas story throughout the month of December. Uh, it kind of reminded me that Christmas. Christmas is a great reminder that there's two different types of people in life. Really, if, if you boil it down, down to it, there's, there's really kind of two different types of people in general. There are rule followers and there are rule breakers. And if you don't believe me, think back to your childhood. Even if you're a little more seasoned like me, think back to your childhood. And, uh, and, and remember when you were a kid, the, the rule breakers were the type of people that no matter where their parents hid the gifts, you would be looking because you wanted to find them, right? And you were searching in the closets. You were looking underneath the beds. And the older you got, the more complex your parents had to get at hiding those gifts because you were bound and determined to find Find those gifts before Christmas morning because you wanted the excitement, but you wanted it on your own terms. You wanted the joy of getting a gift, but you wanted to figure out what they were and where that part of the hunt was exciting to you. And then there's the rule followers. That's a little bit more like my wife. I'm more like the first category. You know, I was definitely and still am to this day. Rules are hard for me to follow sometimes. Um, so I would do that type of thing. But the other, the second group of people is a little bit more like my wife. She, you know, her, her parents could tell her exactly where the gifts are. You know, they could say like, hey, the gifts are in the closet. They're stacked there. They're not wrapped or anything. So whatever you do, don't look in our closet, you know? And they would be like, okay, that's fine. You know, I won't go do it. And, and so that really reminds us, that's just a quick poll. How many of you guys are in the first group? How many of you guys search for presents before Christmas? Wow, a lot of rule breakers in this room. Okay, what about the second group? How many? Okay, all right, just, just as much. Okay, that's fair. And, and I think that either way, as you think about it, you know, both groups of people, we wanted the surprise. We, we were excited about the gift, but we just had a different mentality or view of when we were going to get surprised. And so as I think back to Christmas growing up, and many of us do, hopefully, I know that sometimes Christmas season can be a hard season for some of us, but I hope as well that you can uh, remember and be thankful for some of the, the joyful times that you've had during this season too. I want to share a quick picture of me and my siblings growing up. This was us on Christmas morning. That was actually the last time I ever had bedhead. I started losing my hair right after that, believe it or not. Um, that's me there on the left. And uh, I have a lot of great memories of Christmas. But you know, some of the, the most fun times during Christmas are just being excited by uh, the unexpected things that happen during this season, you know, and, and it's a, a common theme and it's something that we're going to be looking at as we make our way through the story of Jesus's birth. We're going to be looking at all of these different unexpected things that happened at the birth of Jesus during that first Christmas. And, and for some of us who are, are maybe a little bit more familiar with the Bible, you might say, well, well, Jesus's birth, it actually wasn't that unexpected because it was actually prophesied about. One of the cool things 
things, if you ever get a chance to read the Bible or go back and to look into the Old Testament, there are actually prophecies thousands of years before the birth of Christ that would tell us a lot about who Jesus was and what his birth was going to look like. And so in one sense, the birth of Jesus wasn't a surprise at all because people were expecting a Savior to come. The Jewish people, as they read the Old Testament, they knew and and they'd been prophesied to that there was a Messiah. There was a Savior that was coming to set them free and was coming to rule and to reign. And so they were expecting a king to come. But what was so unexpected about Jesus wasn't that the king came, it was how he came. What was so unexpected and what is so unexpected about the Christmas story is the details of how God in flesh came to this earth. Everything about the Christmas story was completely unexpected. It was not the narrative that people were planning to experience. It was not at all what they were thinking was going to happen. In fact, I would venture to say that the surprise of God The unexpected nature of the Christmas story is one of the main themes that holds the whole story together. And as we retell it 2,000 years later, I hope and I pray that we can see it with fresh new eyes. I mean, think about, even as you heard that spoken word uh, at the beginning of this service, think about Mary. You know, this teenage girl who is engaged to be married and an angel Gabriel shows up to her and says, listen, this has never happened before in human history, but you are actually pregnant, even though you haven't been with a man. And and, and you can imagine just the, the sheer unexpected nature of that announcement to her, and it had to rock her world. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit about Mary and and some of the emotions and the way that she responded to the gift of God. And then think about Joseph. I mean, you think Mary was surprised, but I mean, again, imagine Joseph being married to this or engaged to this woman, and she comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant. And again, this has never happened before, but uh, uh, it's somehow it happened, and you just need to trust me. It's of God. You know, and again, we have to get ourselves in the mind of Joseph. How in the world could you even reconcile that type of news? How unexpected that must have been. And we're going to talk about Joseph in a couple weeks and and how he responded to that news. Uh, But today specifically, we're going to talk about this reality of where Jesus was born. We're going to talk about the place and the circumstances surrounding his actual birth. We're going to talk about the fact that there was no room for him in the inn. In fact, today the, the message, is, it's, 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 it's all around this idea that, that when Jesus came, it was like he was unwelcomed. There was no place for him. There was no room for him. And so he continued to get moved further and further out into a place where really it's not fitting for anybody to be born. But Jesus was, as we know, born in a stable, born in a barn. And this was completely unexpected. And so we're going to look at those circumstances and see what God wants to teach us through the unexpected nature of the Christmas story. See, here's the big idea for today that we want to talk about, we want to wrestle with, and we want to examine together. The big idea is this. Jesus came in unexpected ways so that we might know him. Jesus came to this earth in such extreme, unexpected ways. And he did it to get our attention. He did it so that we might come to know him, that we might enter into a relationship with him. And so I'm excited today to to jump into the pages of the Christmas story and read them together and pull out what I think that God has for us. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 2. It's some of the Christmas story that, that we've already heard a little bit of 
today, but in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you want to open your Bibles there with me, you can. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor at Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. I just want to stop and examine this portion of the story just really quickly. You probably heard of this before, but, but Bethlehem and Judea, they were part of the Roman Empire during that time. And, and the Roman Empire, they weren't too interested in individual rights during that time, right? And so even though Mary was pregnant, it was time for a census. And when it came to collecting taxes, they were as serious as the IRS is to this day, you know? And, and so they were like, listen, I, I don't care whether you're pregnant. I don't care what your situation is in life. Your job is to get from wherever you are now to the, the town, the hometown of your family. And so Joseph and Mary, it says that they, they had to travel from Judah, from Galilee, to Bethlehem. Now, if, if you know anything about the geography during that time, it was about a 70-mile trip that they had to make. Marry this teenage girl, uh, walking through hilly areas, maybe on a donkey, maybe just walking. We don't actually exactly know how they got there, but they had to venture 70 miles. Well, Mary was very pregnant because the Roman government said it's time to pay your taxes. There wasn't PayPal. There wasn't something that they could just write a check. They had to go and make sure that their taxes were paid. They had no choice. And so they end up in this little town of Bethlehem, and we continue to read on because as they show up in Bethlehem, it says, while they were there, while they were there kind of making their arrangements, maybe arguing with the government about how much they owe, we don't know exactly what was going on during that time, but while they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes, and she placed him in a manger. Why? Because there was no guest room available for them. Now, it's interesting because the Christmas story, it's kind of taken on like this, this narrative that, that sometimes can be pretty accurate, and other times we're not even sure exactly how accurate it is. As you read and you hear that verse, it says that there was no guest room available for them. Some other versions say that there was no room for them in the inn. And so we've, we've built different kind of stories around what exactly might have happened because we, we have to try to imagine it a little bit. And basically, there's two different theories of what could have happened there. One theory is that, that Mary and Joseph were kind of traveling into Bethlehem and they were looking for almost like a, a hotel, you know, or like an Airbnb. And they were trying to find a place to stay. And so they were knocking on different hotel doors or Airbnb doors, so to speak. And as they were knocking on these doors, there's even some movies and some reenactments of the, you know, the mean innkeeper who says there's no room and then they slam the door and Mary and Joseph just have to go and find themselves in a barn. That's possible that that happened. But what is actually probably a little bit more likely is the, the, the version that we read here. It's probably a little bit more likely that, that Mary and Joseph were, were trying to stay with family or friends. Remember, this is Joseph's 
hometown. He had family in the town of Bethlehem. There weren't that many hotels, you know, 2,000 years ago. There weren't that many Holiday Inn Express. There weren't that many Airbnbs. It wasn't a common practice. There might have been a handful of them, but that was, certainly wasn't the norm. What would have been the norm would be for people to stay with family and friends as they were traveling, right? And so more than likely what is happening is Joseph and Mary are going to stay with family or friends, and the place is so packed full of people because the census has gone on. Everybody had to come back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes that there's simply no room for them in the house. There's no guest room for them. It's probably packed full of people, and so they end up finding themselves in a, a stable. They end up finding themselves with the animals of that household. And as they find themselves in this probably cold, probably dirty, probably filled with all the different things that animals leave behind as they are in their places of living, Mary starts to go into labor. And she finds herself giving birth to the Savior of the world, the King of the universe, in a barn, in a stable. And, and it says she gives birth to Jesus, and they, they lie him in this manger, like this feeding trough, because there's no crib for him. There's no bassinet for him. There's no place for him to lie. And so he lies in a feeding trough, and that's how our God, that's how our king enters into the world. It couldn't have been more unexpected. It couldn't have been more bizarre. And so I just want to read and, and I just want to think about three different ways then three different things that this means to us and three things that we can learn from it about the character of God and what he wants to teach us from his unexpected entrance into this world. And the first thing is this. Jesus came in unexpected ways to model humility. Jesus came in unexpected ways to, to model humility. I mean, again, picture waiting for a king to come. And as the Jewish people were there, they were expecting the king to come in a palace. They were expecting all the pomp and circumstances that comes with royalty, right? And yet Jesus chose not to come that way. He could have. I mean, he is the God of the universe. But instead, he chose to enter into the world in humility. He chose to enter into the world in a place where we would say that is completely unfit, even for the poorest of the poor, to have their baby in a barn with animals. And that's how, Joseph, or that's how Jesus entered into our world. You know, think about yourself. Think about what you do when you're getting ready for somebody to come over. Have you ever had anybody important, you know, visit your apartment? Or if you, if you own your own home, have you ever had anybody important come over to your house? Maybe if you're a college student, if your parents are coming to visit you, hopefully you clean up a little bit, right? Hopefully, like, you know, you, you hide all the, the dirty stuff. You try to make room for them. You, you want to be hospitable. You want to show them, hey, I'm an adult. I have my stuff together. And so you clean up a little bit. Or if you, if you own your own home, you know, maybe you're having people over. Maybe you've even had important people over to your house. And so you clean a little bit extra, right? You, you go a little bit above and beyond because you want to welcome them in and make a place for them. And yet that's not at all what happened with our king. That's not at all what happened with Jesus. Nobody welcomed him. Nobody even cleaned up. They sent him out to the barn to be born. And I think as we think about the life of Jesus, he was so powerful and so amazingly, amazingly able to do miracles and do amazing things. And yet 
he consistently put himself in the place of a servant. He consistently put himself in the place of saying, listen, I am not above serving the people that I came to love and to die for. I'm not above serving the people that I created. In, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says this. says, uh, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so I think as we look at the humility of Jesus, as he came into this world and he, he found himself in, in a manger where there's no room for him in the house, for each and every one of us, we have to ask the question, do we live a lifestyle of love and sacrifice and service? Or do we feel entitled? Because Jesus' life was the exact opposite of entitlement. Anything that he deserved and he deserved everything, he never claimed or grabbed it. He simply found himself in the place of being a servant over and over again. And for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, are we willing to serve? Are we willing to sacrifice and love the people around us, even if it puts us in uncomfortable places? See, Jesus came in unexpected ways to model humility. The second thing is this. Jesus came in unexpected ways to show us his love. Jesus came in unexpected ways to show us his love. You know, Christmas is the celebration of this idea that theologians call the incarnation, meaning that God put on flesh, carnate, meaning our flesh, incarnate, to put on the flesh and leave the comforts of heaven to come to earth to show us how deeply he loves us. And I think there's something powerful and there's something special when people go to great extents to show us their love. And it's amazing that we serve a God who went to the ultimate extent, left the comforts of heaven to come to earth to show us how deeply he loved us. I have this video that I want to show you guys just as a quick illustration to, to tap into the picture of how, how powerful it is when somebody surprises us with their love. And so I want to have you Go ahead and, and check out this video real quick. We'll hit the lights and uh, we'll get an opportunity to watch it. I could watch those videos forever. I was sitting in uh, Panera doing prep for this, and I was, like, getting a little choked up, you know? Because you watch those videos, and it just, it gets to the core of who we are as humans, doesn't it? There's something so powerful about being reunited with somebody who we love so deeply. And you know what? That's what the Christmas story is. God left heaven to come to earth to be reunited with those that he created and he loves so deeply. This is the gospel. This is the power of the good news of Jesus. That God left, earth, left heaven, came to earth, and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never fell. 
And yet he was sent to the cross. He was crucified and killed. For going to the greatest extent that anybody could ever go, we rewarded him with being murdered and hung on a cross. But when Jesus went to the cross, there was a purpose. See, his birth at Christmas time had a purpose ending in his death and resurrection. And as Jesus went to the cross and he died and he breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Jesus extends those words to each one of us that we can receive his forgiveness when we put our faith and trust in him. And he rose from the grave, defeating death, proving that he wasn't just a mere man when he came to earth, but he is the God of the universe. And we all have a decision to make. What do we do with that great gift? The extent that Jesus went to to come and show us his love. This is the power of the gospel. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, says, For God so loved the world, they sent his one and only Son, so that whosoever... Whoever, doesn't matter how rich you are, doesn't matter how poor you are, doesn't matter what gender you are, doesn't matter what race you are, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christmas is a celebration of God's love for us. And then third and finally, I want to share this. Jesus came in unexpected ways to invite us into his family. Jesus came in unexpected ways to invite us and welcome us in. You know, aren't we all looking for belonging? Aren't we all looking for a place to connect and to belong? I want to read this verse in, in Revelation 3. Jesus is, is speaking to his church and he says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, I'll come in and I'll eat with them. Isn't that an interesting phrase that Jesus says? I'm standing at the door and knocking, and you would think that maybe he'd just say, uh, you know, open the door and, and let's hang out, or open the door and, and let's come. But Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anybody hears my voice, I'll come in and I'll eat with them. You know, there's something powerful and intimate about sharing a, a meal with somebody, isn't there? I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking about when I asked my wife out on our first date. You know what I asked her to do? I said, hey, do you want to go on a date and let's go get something to eat? Let's, let's go get dinner. And she said, yes. And I was like, yes. And then a, a few months later, I knew that I wanted to marry her. And so I proposed to her. And right after I proposed to her, guess what we did? We went out and we ate. We got dessert to celebrate. And then a few months later, we got married. And, and, and as we stood on the altar, we said our vows. And right after we said our vows, we kissed. And you know one of the first things that we did right after we said our vows? We shared a meal with all of our guests, our family and our friends. And we celebrated. What do you do at Thanksgiving time? You eat together with your family. What do you do at Christmas? You eat together. See, Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want just this casual relationship with you. I don't want to stay at arm's length with you. I want to come in and eat with you. I want to know you. I want to be intimate with you. I want to know even your, your parts of your life that you're afraid to share with other people. Because listen, he's God. He already knows them anyway. Jesus is calling us and saying, I want to invite you in to my family. I want to walk with you and love you. And I want you to follow me. I want that intimacy with you 
And we all long for it. But sometimes we're a little bit afraid of it, aren't we? See, Jesus is saying, I came into this earth and there was no room for me at the inn. There was no room for me. There was no guest room. And so I got sent out into the barn. And as he's speaking to each one of us today, he's asking that similar question. Is there room for me in your heart? Is there room for me in your life? Is there room for me to have this intimate relationship with you? Because he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. It's not like I'm neutral. It's not like I'm just waiting for you to come. I'm knocking. You're here today for a reason. Jesus is knocking at every one of our doors, whether we've known him for years or whether this is the first time we're getting a chance to hear about him. He's knocking at each one of our doors, and we have to answer the question, is there room? Are we going to open it? Are we going to invite him in to have a relationship with him or not? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about why was there no room for Jesus at the end, right? Because you almost have to, to wonder, like, if it was family and friends, wouldn't you think that you would give up your own bed so that this pregnant teenage girl could come in the house? Wouldn't you, like, go out and sleep in the, the manger? Wouldn't you go out and sleep in the barn so that this, this young girl would have room? So she could at least have her baby inside a house, not in a barn, in a stable? And as I was thinking about that, I was like, there's only one reason why... Jesus was born there is because people didn't want to be uncomfortable, right? I'm not willing to give up my bed for this woman who needs it. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to take a step of faith and and, and give up something that, that I'm kind of accustomed to and kind of feel a little bit entitled to. And so I wonder for each one of us, are we willing to to step out and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable? And say, yes, Jesus, there's room for you in my heart. Yes, Jesus, I want to eat with you. I want to have that intimate relationship with you. See, you came to this earth to show me your love. And I care about you and I love you. And I'm going to say yes to you. You know, that's our prayer. Jesus came in unexpected ways. And you may have even shown up here today not expecting to actually encounter Jesus. But as we open the pages of scripture, he always shows himself to us. And so our prayer for each and every one of us is that we would say yes. We would open that door and say, God, I want to have that relationship with you. Thank you for coming and dying for me. We're going to give you a chance to do that here today. I'm going to uh, pray here in a minute, and I'm going to invite the band to come up once we start praying. And I'm going to give each one of us an opportunity to respond and to say yes to Jesus. So bow your heads with me and pray if you would. God, we thank you for this unexpected, powerful example of your love to us. And God, as we think about the power of the cross, as we think about the power of your great love for us, God, we're humbled that you, the king of the universe, would enter into our world so humbly. God, you did it because you love us, and God, you did it because you care for us and you want to know us. And so God, each one of us, as we sit here today, we We have to respond. We can either keep that door closed or we can open it. And God, my prayer and my heart for all of us is that we would say yes to you. So God, we just want to give all of us an opportunity to do that here today. And and right now with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to just 
pray a prayer, and if you've never accepted that gift of Jesus, if you never opened that door, I want you to feel free to pray it along with me and mean it in your heart. And if so, you can know that God is with you. So God, I admit that I need you. God, I admit that I've sinned and I've fallen short. And Lord, I need a a savior. I need a king. I need somebody to make those sins right. Lord, I confess I can't do it on my own strength. Lord, I, I need and I want to trust you. I don't want to open up the door of my heart to you today. Lord, I want to say yes to you. God, thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for caring for me. I say yes to you for the rest of my life. In your name I pray. Now with every head bowed and eyes still closed, if you pray that prayer, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. And so I just want to give you a chance to take your first step of kind of boldness and you can kind of just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer so we can pray for you and we can thank you. We can thank God for working in your life. the quietness of this moment, you can just slip your hand up, say yes. And put your hand down. God, we thank you for your message of the gospel and the power and the beauty of who you are. God, we pray that this Christmas season, we would make room for you in our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.